Welcome back, everyone and all. This is the podcast mercenary, the Mike for Hire, the man of the hour, aka the Puerto Rican powerhouse. And I'm back at it again with a brand new, brand new, brand new, spanking brand new view, view, view. Sorry, I gotta stop doing that. I'm not a damn DJ. Of uh, Lost in Space, Season 1, Episode 2. And where did we leave off? Well, thanks for asking so kindly. Season 1, Episode 2 of Lost in Space. The couple and the scammer crash. Meaning from where we left off in the previous episode. We found out the scammer. I don't know her name yet. She is taking the identity of a fallen scientist. Because the jacket this scientist had gave access to the escape pods. Meant for specific people on this giant space station to exit when things hit the fan. So she has no identity. But obviously if you're the type of person that will take someone else's identity and use it to your advantage, you're not a good person. So I'm assuming you're definitely somebody I should keep my eye on because you're definitely going to be a shady character. So this person had a couple of engineers who were trying to escape as well. Um, they crash land, and it's a really intense, like, beginning sequence. Like, before the title, the, sh- the show starts, you see them, like, almost like in Uncharted, the game Uncharted, they're just hanging in midair off a cliff or something, and they barely survive it. One of those cliches. At this point, it's cliche because it's been overdone in many movies and, and TV shows, and it's an expected trope that's been, I don't want to say played out, but yeah, it's been played out. But it has a great effect because you start off with tension, and you start off with this level of action drama from the get-go to hook you together to hook you on for further as it goes so they're about to free fall off a cliff and trying desperately not to move and avoid falling while they escape one bad movement and balance of the bodies will shift the ship off its course and they are all goners bet they survive it and this is where the title lost in space pops up so we go back to the robinson family and the Robinson parents have questions about the robot for young Will, who was saved by said robot. And he wants to know the origins of this robot, because even though it saved them, they still don't trust it. They don't know what this machine is. They don't know if it's a recon droid of some sort for enemies to do, like, testing on them, because they could be researching these human beings and how dangerous they are and all this other stuff and all these other factors. And... They are scientists themselves into a, to a degree. I mean, the mom is for sure. The dad's more marine, but they both come from tactician mindsets. We're like, okay, if we're in a distant planet, we are strangers in a new world. These, this is the unknown. We are human beings, so we naturally have a fear of the unknown. Yes, we can sort of trust this robot because it is not attacking us for now. But who knows its ulterior motives because, of course, it's a robot, so it doesn't really have a sentient mindset. But for it to help Will so easily and freely... It must be programmed for some reason to do this, right? So they're keeping their paranoid eye on this robot, who's just been dubbed the robot. And he has changed, shape-shifted, you could say, from this uh, four-armed robot to a bipedal humanoid-looking robot to be more, less threatening, I guess, to the human beings so they can let their guard down, I guess. So back to the other party. The engineer, the male one, He's looking to fix the ship. The dynamic has shifted because I believe that the male engineer doesn't trust the doctor, which he shouldn't because instincts kick in. And who is his character? Do they really, are they really who they say they are, right? So the male engineer steals the boots of the female engineer because she didn't make it. Sad to say, she did not survive. 
So it's just this guy and Dr. Smith. I put Dr. Smith in quotations because we obviously know this is not Dr. Smith. But Dr. Smith is appalled, says the woman who stole the identity of another person to pass and venture off in a new world. She's appalled. Yeah, she's fake appalled. Very bad acting. Not show acting. Just the acting is good because the bad acting within the good acting. It's one of those weird things where you can tell this person's pretending like they're representing a normal person trying to act like, oh, my gosh, I'm so appalled. Like that kind of whole thing. So the robot back with the Robinsons. It's kind of a flashing back and forth scenario where simultaneously things are happening. He is melting its way down the Jupiter ship so they can reach it. And obviously there's a lot of ice, but with its heat hands, it can melt through anything. So they're able to defrost, I guess, their ship and kind of get into it and drain it, I guess, to get it working again. And that's what it's doing. It's just drying. It's like a giant like blow dryer just drying the whole ship bit by bit so they can get back into there. So the, fa the Robinson family follows and reach their home. Uh, the uh, Now back to the other party. Because, this, again, it's back and forth scenario. The other party just go off on foot to discover other life that they can take their... And they take their chicken. Like, actual chicken. Don't know if the chicken is a, from this planet or if it's from a different Earth-bound uh, explorers who have... have found a chicken but they found a chicken and claim it as their pet for now <laughs> um so we have a recovering judy who is grateful for her dad saving and the dad never gave up on her because he knows she's a star child and she can take care of herself which is awesome so you have this dynamic where the dad is so proud of his daughter because he trained her so right that she can't really fail like she is the ace in their squad and he always can believe in her, which is really, uh, really um, great to see parents, parent and daughter dynamic like this. Considering how she, he has two other uh, kids that are biologically his, and they're again, they're not jealous of their sister. They know they're way behind her. So I'm assuming that Judy is way older. I'm gonna say she's probably like in her 16, it's probably like 15, 16, right? Where. Will is 11. I'm assuming that Penny is about 13 because she still acts like a young kid but also tries to act mature. So she's probably in that coming of age of like 13, 14. Whereas Judy's a solid 15, 16. So a couple years difference, but years difference in maturity, obviously. So we have, and Judy's so helpful because even though she is, again, dealing with the PTSD of being frozen in a, in a block of ice, she makes time to help her mother with her knee brace. Penny is looking through binoculars and sees an explosion, like an actual explosion. Presumptually, it's probably coming from uh, the other party that we keep going back and forth with. And it is. It's other survivors. And Maureen and John investigate this on their own. And the kids stay back because you have a not-so-100%-there-in-the-head Judy who's still recovering. You have Will and you have Penny who are children. They shouldn't be exploring like this out. Plus, also, the parents need some backup in case they open the doors while they come back. So, John, he's trying to 3D print a gun that gets blocked by gun control. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Apparently, even though he's military, he is blocked from accessing 
the 3D pattern of a pistol. I don't understand this. This is where things get weird. Is it because this said mission is a non-threatening mission, meaning it is a scientific mission, it is not a military mission? So ergo, certain features are locked because if it was a military mission, it would be a bunch of soldiers, marines, you know, everything, exploring guns just in case warfare happens. So from what my assumption is, they're sending these people to non-hostile environments where they don't need to fight. Which, again, sets a great dynamic for the whole series because it shows that not every sci-fi show has to be straight-up action. This is action when needed be, but it's not like, you know, a big space movie with giant explosions. You know, that's, that's probably something that happens down the line as the show progresses. So... We shall see where things go. But for now, this is pretty much like you guys are space scientists. Everybody on the ship is a scientist. You do not have weapons to defend yourself because you're here to explore and deal in foreign worlds that probably have not yet to be discovered. So, you know, <clears throat> their whole thing is essentially that why would we need guns? Why would we need anything? And in my experience with shows like this is you kind of always need at least one military person around to defend the rest in case of i don't know space tigers space bears you know like we have wild animals on earth here so you're gonna tell me you're gonna send a group of scientists who can't defend themselves except for john the husband who's actually military but he has combat knives and that's about it that's all he's allowed he's not allowed any actual weaponry so this sets a certain tone for the series and where it goes So the robot is left to watch the kids and John is very skeptical and paranoid about it and its intentions. So we're back to the other party. We, they walk and find a body on the ground. Thinking she's dead, they try to loot her. I guess there was another one of these pods that crash landed on this planet. But guess what? She's alive. She's just really injured. So we go back at base. Penny finds her mom's secret stash of Oreos because whose parent doesn't have a secret stash of Oreos laying around, right? So she tries to get Judy to try some. Obviously, Judy is such a goody-goody. She's like, no, that's mom's secret stash. I'm surprised they even made it through. Who, how did you get Orioles here? Like, she wanted to blame Penny for bringing Orioles on their excavation trip, but no. This is their mother who wanted their blue parcel on this. That's how they wrote it as. They didn't write it as a pack of cookies and bring it over. It's okay. Everyone's human. Sometimes you need a little indulgence to get through the day, especially if you have a hard, harsh day of... Uh, Excavating a new world. So while Penny's trying to get Judy to try his cookies, right? Uh, something goes off. So a storm is brewing. And Penny is nervous. And Judy tells her to calm down. Their parents are pros, even if they get caught in this rainfall. Except it's not rainfall. It's raining hailing let's say it's hailing rocks okay actual rocks and penny overreacts and goes you know like frantic mode like oh my gosh they're they're on foot they're not gonna make it we need to get the rover and she starts the ship causing a huge crater to open up in the cave entrance because she hit the wrong button and uh things went awry and 
Penny and Judy find a rover in the basement or the uh, bottom of their ship. But assembly is required. Like everything from Ikea. This thing is barely put together. Well, I mean, it's put together, but you need to put the wheels on. Which I don't understand. Why are the wheels not attached? But whatever. So it needs slight mechanical help. So they're doing this project, putting the wheels on the rover. We got an image of Maureen sending an SOS to their families or groups with this, like, walkie-talkie. The signal's being blocked. Because, like, apparently, they're, um, the robot itself's, uh, let's say, it's firewalls preventing communications, I guess. It's one of those odd, really... Yeah, pretty much, there's no Wi-Fi. So, the signal's being blocked by the robot that crashed in the ship, or crashed the ship. Uh, the Robinson parents... Uh, ask Will to communicate with the robot to find out more about it, like do its research and see where its original ship, where it landed, like in, to kind of look back at things. Like, even though it has nuts and have a memory bank, maybe it can kind of find some sort of like black box on the ship or something for when it crashed. But the ship is pretty much blocking all cell signal from it, their communications in their ships to theirs or something. So the, the Robinson parents ask Will to communicate for the robot. John is hesitant to find out more. Will asks the robot to take him where they met. The other group, though, at their, as this is happening, right, the other group debate taking the hurt lady with them since she's dead weight and a lot of baggage, and they're trying to survive and get out of here. And again, it's one of those scenarios where Dr. Smith, just like she did to the actual Dr. Smith, will abandon this lady for sure, but... Wants to play like, oh no, we shouldn't abandon her because she can't survive on her own where this engineer can pretty much take care of himself. And he's like, all right, I'll help her out. So the other group, right, is debating taking the hurt lady. Then the guy feels guilty. So he picks her up to save her because he has a heart. He's like, all right, I'm not going to leave this lady to die out here. If I can save her, I can, because she would have probably done the same for him. So back to the ship, Judy has these moments of PTSD. Of course, she's going to have flashbacks because of just anything going to trigger it. She just had a traumatic moment the day before, like one day before this whole thing occurred. So I get it. Like a day later, you're not 100%. You're going to be a little bit shell-shocked. So Penny is adamant on driving this rover, and they just repaired it, and she's just like, gun ho like I'm going to save our parents and you're going to see that I'm you know contributing and whatnot. again it's not a jealousy thing it's more like she was proving to her parents that she is growing up and she can hold her own too so I kind of let this point label the other group group B group A is the Robinsons group B is this other group that we found out about at the end of the first episode group B is sending out signal flares to find other survivors so while the adults investigate in the dark cave so back with the Robinsons, while the adults investigate in Dark Cave, Will is playing catch with the robot. He's showing this robot what a game of catch is. As the robot touches a shard from the ship, of its its memory banks start to like give them flashbacks. So now we have moments of the robot actually being sentient to a certain perspective. And when it attacked the ship, and then it freaks out. So it goes to show that this robot, even though it was attacking the ship might have gone feral or somebody was hacking his system because it's not known to attack like this from this moment. That's what I'm reading from these moments because it reacted like a human being would react like, oh my God, like what the hell did I do? 
So Will and the robot share this tender moment of like a dog and his boy and his dog, right? And then you got Will's dad in the shadows hiding behind a bush, kind of, you know, surveying the robot and it's it's nature and how it's acting with his son. Like any parent would. Like, I don't trust this robot. Let me make sure things are okay from a distance. So I'm giving him space, but I can keep an eye on this thing in case it goes haywire. So back at Group B, they're ha- braving the heavy winds and they have to seek shelter into a cave because this storm is coming quickly and swiftly it is. So the doctor tells the male engineer to hold the fort and watch over the woman engineer while she braves this weather to go out into the nature and find help. Penny is driving like a bat out of hell looking for her family through the woods, right? Because you got the engineers who are these, um, it's a weird dynamic because it kind of reminds you of the show Lost where who do you trust and who you don't trust, right? So the male engineer lost his female counterpart. I don't think she was anything of his, like I don't think she was a girlfriend or any kind of love interest. She was a female colleague of his that they were kind of cool with because they probably shared certain like classrooms or missions or whatever it was, but they're not cool enough to the point that he's mourning her death. He's more focused on surviving. So I'm assuming this guy barely knew the girl. He just knew her from somewhere. Um, but he's got to watch this new lady who he has no connection to. And he'd rather do it because he's holding the flare gun. So he thinks. So the doctor tells, tells the male engineer to hold on to the fort and watch over the engineering, the woman engineer. But as that happens, oh my God, my necklace. I lost my necklace. The necklace fell as they're trying to hide and cover themselves in this, like, not cave, but, like, awning, I guess you can call it. And, um, essentially, they were just like, you know, um, we got to find somewhere to hide and get some proper shelter because these rocks are going to kill us. So, we have Penny driving like a bat out of the hell, looking for her family through the woods. It is starting to hail they duck for cover as Penny's communications is breaking through the robot sending a light signal, right? The engineer spots the Robinsons and tries to use the flare gun the doctor took with them, only to find out. While he was retrieving the necklace the doctor so cared for, and, te- and mind you, there's a moment in this episode where the engineer's like, why do you care about this necklace so much? Now, she might not be an actual psychologist, but she knows how to play mind games. She put pertinence and importance to this like fake, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Heirloom, yeah, fake heirloom, right? And um, it was build up for like this moment where, while he wasn't looking, and he went out to grab the stupid necklace from like where it fell, where the doctor purposely dropped it. She took the flare gun out of the case with her. That's shady. That's really shady. Like, you would literally abandon... You You held this dude back because he outlasted his use. But this won't be the last of them. It's just him, this her un- female engineer, and the chicken. The chicken is now as familiar. <laughs> kind of funny how this whole thing ended up being. And that's what I got from this episode. So the engineer spots the Robinsons, tries the flare gun, and the doctor has it. Uses it. And the Robinson saved the doctor. And when the, she's getting saved into the rover, Femi says, is there anyone else? And she's like, nope, it's just me. 
Of course, she would say it's just her because she's shady. She's doing shady stuff. She's the antagonist of the story, essentially. We can't trust this woman. So who knows where episode three lands because once they get to the actual Jupiter ship, the uh, she gets freaked out by the robot because it's the same robot that attacked her. And I'm like, oh, yeah, at least we got some leverage here. If she tries to act, act up, we know the robot's got a side chosen. He's already friends with the Robinsons, and I'm pretty sure he's not cool with this, a.k.a. Dr. Smith character. So the episode was great. I loved it a lot. I thought this was pretty clever, that you build up this giant storm, and a rover is trying to beat the storm to get to save what we thought is the engineers and Dr. Smith together, when it really was just Dr. Smith, because... She took the flare gun. So I don't know where this guy and lady, the the new now new engineering pair, who are ducking for cover. And the ship, I believe, is not that far. I think once they bear the storm, like they go through the storm, he's going to help this woman find the ship and confront Dr. Smith. That's my prediction for the third episode. And that's where I'm going to leave this story off because... It was so good. It was like this like uh, red herring or you want to call it a, there's a certain term for it. I don't know what exactly it is, but it's like this made you look like, oh, as you're not looking, I'm doing something very deceitful behind her back for my own survival. But I'm still using you because if I left, here's where I thought was clever. If there was no other female engineer, what would he use? What would she have used? To have him stay behind. Nothing. He would. She would have to still be. Quote unquote friendly with his male engineer. Because he's young and strong. And able to hold his own. Where. He's got this extra body weight. Dead weight of this person who's hurt. And probably sick who knows. And maybe dying on top of that. So in leaving them behind. And faking this. I'm going to brave this storm to help save us and he went along with it to little to find out that this is all a betrayal and that's where the uh, a twist happens and now we have this shady doctor who's going to get questioned because we have a real doctor with Maureen Robinson She's going to see through this lady so quickly, especially with mother instincts. She's going to see through all this person's ruse. And with the robot on board, I have a feeling she's not going to last long. That's just my prediction. We'll have to wait and see where episode three takes me, which is where I'm going to probably do after I finish this podcast. So thank you for hanging in there. This has been the season one, episode two review of of Netflix original series, Lost in Space. Thank y'all for hearing and listening in and tuning in, I guess. It's not a radio show, but whatever. Uh, This has been the podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, Christian Joel Ramos, signing off. Take care.